Welcome to the How to Win at Life podcast. My name is Toby Strong, and I'm going to give you maximum value in the shortest possible time to help you win at life. Here we go. If I sound a bit weird, it's because I've got a bug and I'm congested, but my attitude to pretty much everything in this situation is that it doesn't have to be perfect and the show goes on. So here we go. Now, I mentioned in the last episode that I taught myself how to trade shares on the stock market, which I feel really proud about. The part that I didn't go into in that episode is the part that I don't feel so proud about, which is that I've actually lost about $30,000 over the last five years. I'm not a complete loser. I have had some winners over this time, but I've just had more losers than winners, which has given me an overall loss. But if you've been listening for a while, you already know my mindset around this, which is that we never really lose. We either win or we learn. And I've definitely learned some really important lessons throughout this process, which are going to benefit me for the rest of my life. And I thought might be worth sharing with you, hopefully to help you avoid making similar mistakes and maybe save you some money as well. But just to be clear, this isn't investment advice. I'm just sharing my experiences and the lessons that I've learned and that I'll be living by from now on. Okay, now let's consider why investing is so important for you. And this is one of my biggest learnings recently, which is lesson number one. The power of compounding is one of the most effective ways to build wealth. You've probably heard this before somewhere, and I heard a bunch of times as well but it just never really sank in until recently. Thanks mostly to the next lesson and we'll come back to compounding at the end. Lesson two is don't even bother going for the big quick wins. And this usually looks like getting advice from someone you know or a financial influencer of some kind, or you've been convinced by some article that you've read that there's some new technology that's about to boom. Our goal should be slow and consistent investment growth over time, as in we buy shares expecting to hold them until retirement because constantly buying and selling shares is an emotional roller coaster, and majority of us become completely irrational during this process. And what I mean by this is that we just make silly mistakes because it's just emotional decisions and we end up buying at the high and selling at the low, which just guarantees losses very quickly. It's common sense that we should be buying during a stock market crash and sell when the market's high, but this almost never happens because during a crash, emotion and fear take over, and we're worried that it's going to keep dropping even further, and maybe we can get a better deal if we wait and see what happens. So we often don't buy at the right time. And then things turn around and the market shoots up and we miss the opportunity. And then we start buying when it's at its high because we don't want to miss out on it going even higher. But we should actually be selling at this stage. And if we did happen to get in early and we just we still don't sell at the high because a different type of fear kicks in, which is the fear of missing out on even higher prices again. And like I said, it's just completely irrational. And the crazy thing is that almost all of us do it. And this is why there are these big long-term cycles, because the markets are driven by emotion, and we're still making the same mistakes that we were making like 100 years ago. The best way that I've found to avoid this is to set up a self-managed super fund, and I add any money that I intend to invest into the stock market, I put it into the super fund, which has tax benefits, by the way. 
Because then I'm buying shares, which I know I'm not going to sell until retirement. Because even if I sell it earlier, I can't access the money because it's in my super fund. So it just gives me this really long-term horizon and just takes emotion out of the process. A few quick points on self-managed super funds. One, I was originally advised not to do this because there's too much paperwork and it's too hard to manage. And I just haven't found this to be the case at all. Yes, my accountant charges me for this, so there are fees involved. But from what I've noticed, the fees haven't been any higher than what I was paying my super fund before I got this set up. Point number two, I used to view my super fund as this black hole I was paying money into. And apart from looking at the balance quarterly, I had no idea what it was invested in and if the returns were any good or how much I was even really being charged by my super fund to manage all of this for me. Basically, the biggest chunk of my family's wealth, as will be the case for most of you, was a complete unknown, which just seems so crazy looking back on it now. Setting up a self-managed super fund really helped me to take ownership of the biggest portion of our family's wealth and start giving it the respect that it deserves. And for some of you, this might be really scary to take control of such a big chunk of money. But if you consider lesson three, you can't really go too far wrong with it. And lesson number three is don't ever buy shares of individual companies like BHP or Facebook. In my opinion, the average person buying shares in individual companies is basically gambling because we're not sophisticated enough to really know and understand how things are going to play out for this company over the long term. And if the company makes a few mistakes, their share price can drop really quickly. So I'm only going to buy ETFs moving forwards, which stand for exchange traded funds. And this is basically a basket of companies. The beauty of this is that if one company performs badly, it's only one of many in the basket, so we don't get hurt as badly. And yes, I know the counter argument to this is that it means there's less upside potential, but in my opinion, it's worth it. My goal is slow, consistent growth over time, and this helps me to achieve that goal. It's not exciting. In fact, it's very boring. But I've decided that feeling bored about building my wealth over the long term is better than a little excitement, which ultimately ends in losses more often than not. Some basic ETFs include the stock symbol SPY that tracks the S&P 500, which is America's top 500 companies. Or if you want to keep your investment in Australia, the equivalent stock symbol is XJO, which covers the top 200 companies on the ASX which is the Australian Stock Exchange. To make up your own mind, just Google a few articles about the best ETFs and just stick to the biggest, most widely ones just to get started. The best part is historically over the long term, most of the big Wall Street experts can't even beat the returns of these ETFs. So I just know that I'm getting great results basically without doing anything. And the hardest part really is just being patient and not tinkering with it. Lesson four, don't try and time the market, as in buy the low and sell at the high, because as I touched on before, we rarely get this right. And when buying, I believe a much better system is DCA, which is dollar cost average. And it basically means that we're setting up a repetitive buying system over time. An example of this is let's say you've got $500 to invest and you've picked your ETF to invest in. Now, instead of investing that $500 in one hit, we're going to invest $100 every month for five months or a similar sort of timeline. 
and spread it out over time. Now, that being said, there is a benefit to buying stocks when they're on discount. A common saying in the real estate industry is money is made when you buy, not when you sell. Basically, this means that the price you pay for a property is a major factor in determining the profit later on. So we want to take advantage of drops in the market if we can. I found the best way to mash these two concepts together is to still keep the dollar cost average system, but just tweak it depending on market conditions. So if we're still considering the $500 to invest, it means that if the market is down, then I'm going to invest $150 that month instead of the 100 Or if the market's popped up 5 or 10%, then I'm only going to invest $50 worth, but I still keep to the overall plan, which is to invest that $500 over five months. I'm just tweaking it as I go. Now, we're going back to lesson one because it's such an important concept. Learn about compounding. It's a little hard to explain in such a short term, so I've added a great article into the show notes which shows that the vast majority of Warren Buffett, which if you don't know is one of the best investors in the world, the majority of his wealth was actually created between the ages of 60 and 80 because of compounding. But for compounding to work, we need to start as soon as possible. Otherwise, there's just nothing there to compound. In the show notes, I've also included a link to a Google sheet I've created, which shows an example of compounding $10,000 at 10% each year, which is actually below the average return of the S&P 500 over the past 64 years. And if you take a look at this, you'll see that that $10,000 balloons into over $1 million over 50 years. And most of that happens in the last 10 years. Just please do check out this link. It's just so interesting once you get your head around it. But if you don't have 50 years ahead of you for investing, don't be discouraged. This is just an example. Maybe you've only got 10 or 20 or 30 years, which is fine. Something is better than nothing. But start compounding this year. Otherwise, you just likely never will. All right, I hope you found this helpful and interesting. Best of luck with your investments and be well. Be well. 